it is that I did that, and uh, you know you can't prove it. <laughs> Where's your proof? <laughs> prove it. Well, it's my word against his, hers, whoever it is. It's just you know, he said, she said. <laughs> of course, that isn't that what our whole show's about? Yes. Eight oh seven a.m. Saturday, January the thirteenth, twenty eighteen. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. Nicely done with the do 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 do. I like the do 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 do. It's actually my favorite part of the show. Well, talk to you next week for another do 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 do. Another hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine. All kinds of things going on. Puzzles solved. Rubik's cubes. You know. Thrown out the window in frustration. Uh, <laughs> several huge quandaries left to rot by the roadside. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. For lack of a positive kind of real, all-encompassing solution. Ah, ham and eggs. Kicking several cans down the road, that's what we're all about here. You know, avoiding the tough issues. Staying in the fluffy ground. The fluffy <laughs> stuff. Fluffy, not stuffy. Minty fresh, not medicine-y. That's... The Bill and Diane Show, in a nutshell. So we aren't Listerine. No, we're Minty Fresh, not Medicine. Yeah, exactly. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. But we do kill germs on contact. You boy. That's right. That's good coffee. We kill germs on contact. How are you doing? I have nothing to say after all that. Oh. Well, let's wrap it up then. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, today we um, I'm anticipating a lovely program tonight. I'm going to be playing with uh, Ms. Cat Eggleston out in West Seattle at the fabulous CNP Coffee Company. And I get to attend. Diane gets to come along. Actually, Diane's going to schlep all the gear. <laughs> I'm going to sit in the back seat of the limo and uh, sip champagne <laughs> with uh, the rest of the. Uh, you know, the paparazzi and stuff. Well, and eat only red M&M's. Only red M&M's. Well, Diane carries in the, you know, the Marshall stacks. And, uh, you know, works with the front of house uh, sound people. And to make sure that, uh, you know, I won't mess up on my lip syncing during the pre-recorded portions of the program. <laughs> This is one of the concerts I anticipate with great joy every time that it's coming around because not only not only are you and Kat my most beloved people in the you know in the stratosphere of my uh, stratosphere of my relations yeah. but you are both two of my favorite song singer songwriters ever I love the songs, I love the music, I love your uh, <clears throat> witty exchanges on the stage, and just love the whole thing. So every time that one of the concerts that you are performing are coming up with Kat, it's my favorite evenings. Wow. That's a lot of pressure, Diane. I think I'm going to just stay home. <laughs> but I'll help you load up the car before you go. <laughs> so that, uh... Things will be. <clears throat> yes, I also look forward to hearing Cat because Cat, I think, is my my favorite singer songwriter. 
So it's quite an honor to be able to, uh, you know, hang out with her and kind of bask in her glow. And John Daly ought to be there too. I hope so. He's no slouch. That guy. He's a he's a substantive individual. That guy I is. love John too. He's the real thing. So that'll be good. And then you'll be there, right? I will be there. You're, you are planning on coming. I am planning. Good. So there you go. That's that's a house full for me. I was going to say I'll be there with bells on, but I've never quite no, understood no, that no, no, expression. Bells, that'd be bad. That'd I know. What, what the heck is that expression anyway? Where does it come from? I'm Not my department. It. Not my department. Yes. I will have to get the crack research yes. team uh, on that and uh, report back. Yes, I'm I will sure have to do it. Only moments from now we'll have the report from the crack research team. <laughs> also, Pete will be there. I hope Pete will be there. And... Uh, Pete is the P of C&P. Cameron is the C of C&P. They have created a lovely environment over there. And I'm sorry I don't get to play there more often than I do. But, you know, everyone else is... We're crawling over each other trying to get a booking at the C&P. It is because of the C&P that we have an orange stairwell. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Because they have this room that was painted orange, and I was admiring it for all the times that we went there and thought, I love that. It's yeah. such a beautiful, warm color. That's right. Do Let's slap some of that up in our house. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to anticipate this concert because this week has uh, been a very stressful one for me at work. <clears throat> but only because of my, I mean, sheer volume and uh, it was a, a crazy amount of volume this week but. volume 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 but i went through sort of a crisis of confidence at one point just because i made a misjudgment in something that i did and i was i really was beating myself up about it i mean pretty badly a lot worse than it needed to be and which is my want i usually do tend to, if I do something wrong, to beat myself up so severely that... Um, that no I, one else has to. That no one else has to. <laughs> I got here first. Sorry. <laughs> got it covered. But uh, it was a really minor issue, but it became a major issue in my mind. And I realized that there's a certain thing that happens I don't know if it happens for other people but when I make a mistake it it kind of debilitates me to the point of stalling you know like that I just like oh my gosh I shouldn't do anything it's almost like you want to say I shouldn't do ever anything ever again <laughs> you just want to collapse into the the problem fortunately I always have that as my initial reaction and that's never my permanent state it's whatever is going on, but I, I go through sort of these little crises of confidence sometimes. <laughs> and uh, and it was so interesting because I was talking to one of my friends and colleagues at work about it. The one thing I always feel like is uh, I always want, if there's ever a mistake made, to be real upfront about it. Um, I learned that in my youth. Never try to hide. <laughs> A mistake that you've made because it will out and it's much better just to let let people know what's going on yeah. and she was 
talking to me about it and said, oh, you know, Diane, it really wasn't that bad, first of all, but um, in the course of conversation, she said, you know, you just have to swim. And I don't know why she used those, that phrase. I don't know whether it's a common phrase, but it reminded me of this song that you had sent me a long time ago by Jack's Mannequin. And, and after she said that, I listened to that song and I can't tell you how, how emotional I get just thinking about the idea that all of us are, are just trying to make it through life. You know, that we all are making mistakes and we're all trying to uh, put things back together again. And, and just thinking about it as a community. And that's the thing that I really feel that the song Swim does for me is reminds you that of that you're not just doing this for yourself, you're doing it for your community. Uh, I mean, when I say this, I'm talking about just life, you know, living your life, doing the things you, you need to do in in your life that you're doing it for yourself, but you're also doing it for, as he uh, has says, says in the lyrics, um, your mothers, your fathers, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, you know, you're, you're doing your life for a lot of people. I feel like I'm being singularly <laughs> babbling about this, but... Oh, really? <laughs> Gee, that's too bad. <laughs> Would you like me to call someone, perhaps get some sort of... Uh psychiatric intervention yeah. on site. But I think you're right. I think, you know, and, you know, life is made of the mistakes that we make. You know, that's well, how it's, wisdom comes from mistakes, not from just knowing, you know, like, yeah. you know, people do not have, uh, you know, divine wisdom bestowed upon them, uh, you know, automatically. Well, and also the mistake, I mean, as I say, it was a, it was an, not a big thing, but and it was a community mistake too. I just had my part to right, play. And you in were it. you were talking to these other people, and they were telling you about all the things that they'd screwed up. And there yeah. was like everyone you went to, like, you know, I really feel. They were like, oh, well, that's nothing. You should do whatever. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I was, you know, and, it's you know, true. It's like that's. But the the thing I love about the new place I work is what we do when a mistake is made is not. Uh, cast blame or shame but uh, but take apart the problem find out where the the issue existed because no one's ever doing it in our office because they're purposefully lazy or willful or uh, just not doing their jobs it's happened because of some misunderstanding or some uh, lack of clarity that needs to be uncovered and I love that about this new group. And I really see this as something, I, maybe I'm wrong about this, but it seems to be a, a generational aspect of this younger generation of finding the process, the, the process failures rather than the individual person's failures in the process. Mm -hmm. And I love that finding the, the problem in the process and fixing it. How can we make sure that that doesn't happen again? 
because of something we do in the process, not that the individual is now going to be scrutinized at a higher level or whatever. Right. So I don't know. It seems very different than a lot of the... Well, I mean, I think the problem that, that, that you are taking credit for <laughs> uh, was actually a problem in communication where systems had changed, lines of communication that used to be in place no longer operate the way they used to, and no new lines of communication for addressing each problem that arises have been established yet. We're too new. And so you were waiting for something that you thought the other person knew they had to do, and they were they thought they'd already done everything they had to do, and so the, everything got stalled because you thought someone knew what you were waiting for, and they didn't know what you were waiting for, and so it got delayed longer than it should have. And it's like, you know, so that's, I don't think necessarily everybody in that situation would look at, at what you did or didn't do as a mistake. Yeah. It was just, okay, so what are the protocols in this situation, which I have never looked at before? You know, okay, here's a new problem that we can figure out a protocol for so that when this happens again, it's not a problem anymore. You know, that's how, how, how else are people going to f fix problems if they're not experienced as problems first? You can't anticipate everything. Well, and I always think about your whole life, like, let's say, I'm just going to use a, a small thing, but for a long time, I always have a tendency to misplace my keys. I think, gosh, where did I put my keys? And so I finally thought, I'm just going to get a key rack. So that when I come in, I'll just put the keys on the key rack and it'll be there. Now, it's not going to work 100% of the time, but actually it has worked 100% of the time. At the beginning, I thought, well, I might not always put my keys there, but I do. And it, so you come up with these solutions to the issues that you're experiencing when you have a something that's happening a lot. But the other thing that um, when I was talking to my supervisor, who I just admire so thoroughly she was basically saying we're like a startup company you know we're we're starting from the ground from ground zero we're trying to we are the ones that are finding the errors through our uh because it's never existed before so we have to find out the problems and correct them and figure out ways to make them not happen again anyway the upshot of this whole thing was that this happened maybe a Tuesday in the week that I, um, that I was feeling really just really down about this. Wednesday, I had the conversation with my colleagues. And by the end of the week, I was actually in the, almost this euphoric state because we were actually finding not only answers to that problem, but there are other things that we are proactively doing in our team that made me feel empowered because I felt like, so we're not only solving a problem that did occur, we're actually thinking about things and not even from that problem, but we're, we're thinking of things that have never even come into our focus yet and addressing those things proactively just by saying, you know, maybe this thing is going to be coming up next. Let's start trying to educate ourselves about it before it even happens. And I really felt euphoric at the well, end of the week. I can see where you would because you found a whole bunch of people who are willing to run their lives the way you've always done. 
which is to have the big master calendar to know that life at the university is a cyclical thing, that these thing, this thing comes up every year at this time of year, this thing comes up once every five years, this, you know, but it's a huge thing, and blah, blah, blah. And if you have all these things mapped out in front of you, then you can, in essence, you can see into the future. And you can be planning and working on things all the time so that when the crunch time comes, there's no crunch. You know, your whole idea about the, about the training grants cycle, for, the, for example, was a way of, if we do a little work on it all the time, then there isn't this huge conflagration every five years. You know, I mean, that just makes total sense. And now you're in a group to where that's their whole deal, is to anticipate and to, and to be the ones who see those cycles and do all the, th- I mean, it's like you got into a group that all of them think like you do. Yeah, it's true. Or, or that their ideal is to think like you do. They're, they're the best operating plan they can have is your operating plan. But it used to be you were the voice crying in the wilderness. You know, you were the single solitary voice going, um, we might want to be thinking about the... And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. That doesn't come. That's not till next month. What are you worried about? Why Diane's always freaking out about things, you know, <laughs> way before they have to be. And then all of a sudden they're sitting there and their pants are down around their ankles and they're going, oh, help, help. Anyway. Well, I didn't want to make this all about work, but the the whole overarching philosophy that there are times where you feel like you're just not making it, not cutting it in the world, and that that's a very uh, common experience of hum- human people, right. except for some people who are narcissistic. Yeah, that's where it touches my life is that's the kind of stuff as a parent that you want your kids to know is that you know if they're expecting perfection the first time out and so that if they're they don't get perfection the first time out then they are an utter failure and they have failed at that for their life that they're that's just the totally wrong way to go about it every every piece of education comes from a mistake yeah you know you don't learn anything new by only doing what you already know how to do. And the only way you learn to do something new is by trial and error. It's, you know, sometimes you'll try and you'll succeed the first time and you think you're lucky. Most times you'll try three or four times and maybe on the fourth time you'll get close to being right and you'll consider that you've, look, look what I learned in the process. You know. Well, uh, I even want to say that back in my college years, because uh, I did really well in high school, except in math. But I knew math was not my strong point, so I gave myself an out on that because I felt like eh, I'm not. It's not my thing. It's not that I wasn't trying. I just don't have a mathematical mind. But when I went to college, the very first paper I got back was in literature, which is something I always did well at, and I got a C. And I flipped out man I mean I just felt like this is horrible and how could I possibly get a C and I went to my college advisor and told him what had happened and and was saying I I can't do this I can't you know and he he probably had had many conversations with young people uh, on their first paper about this and he said Diane you're you're in an entirely new venue right now. You know, in high school, you were 
the cream of the crop and right. you are now in a place where everybody is the cream of the crop and you're not competing against the, the same all the standards are different you know in high school when you write a paper in high school about a book you've read teacher basically wants to know you read the book yeah <laughs> you know that's about all they can hope for in college they want some original thinking that's right they want to not only know that you uh, read the book but they want to know what your ideas are about what you read that's the difference I had the same trouble when I got into college because I'd always done well in English classes in high school but you know it was very you know in high school they used to call them book reports they didn't call them papers right you know in college that's a whole different set of demands and so but the thing that I realize now in my older years when you were past that time of competition and trying to make the grade is that the papers that helped me the most to become a good writer were the ones that I got C's on, yeah. you know, because the the professors would actually write a lengthy amount of comments yeah. about what your strengths were, what your weaknesses were, and one of the weaknesses that I had in my original papers was uh, that I was not, uh, I think one of my professors said, you're not turning over all the stones, you know, that I was, I was taking one point and making it brilliantly, but I was not taking the time to analyze each of the, the situations that was going on. So it's really interesting to me that I've fought so much about not being the perfect person in, um, in, college and in work life in personal life you know that I always want to reach some sort of level of perfection when in fact the the learning is all in the mistakes and all in how you deal with those mistakes when they happen mm -hmm. how are you going to turn it around how are you going to to think of a way to make things better the next time so anyway that's a it's a constancy in my life that I go through these times of trial and self-blame and and uh, then come out of it uh, by thinking okay enough of that let's go forward and what what are we gonna do yeah. so it was a pretty uh, tough and wonderful week yeah had a nice kind of arc to it didn't it it did yeah. especially because to end it on this euphoric uh, place and to realize that everyone in my community is struggling with this huge change that we had and we're all just doing the best we can to turn it around and um, when you realize that you're part of community that is a huge thing and that's why the song's lyrics hit me so uh, so powerfully yeah. because I think a lot of times we isolate ourselves when we're feeling like things aren't going well. We sort of are licking our wounds in our own little private place, so to speak. Right. But I think the answer is always community. How do we do this better? How can we help each other? What can we do to, to make all of our lives rise up in some way? gotta swim swim for your life swim for
for the music that saves you when you're not so sure you'll survive You gotta swim And swim when it hurts The whole world is watching You haven't come this far to fall off the earth The currents will pull you away from your love Just keep your head above Keep your head above, swim, swim.